Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Missoula Sports Center. Montana State solidified its place atop the Big Sky Conference. Montana is all of a sudden on a roll, and the Grizz soccer team is going dancing. Hello, I am Coulter Luanez. In the top FCS matchup of the weekend, the fourth-ranked Cats went to Cheney and pulled out a 23-20 victory over Eastern Washington that was more one-sided than the final margin indicated. MSU piled up 544 yards of total offense, including 291 yards on the ground, and had the ball for nearly 37 minutes in winning for the eighth straight time. Isaiah Fonse rushed for 217 yards, including a 43-yard touchdown rip, helped boost Montana State to its first win in Cheney since 2011. The Grizz went to Greeley, Colorado and found their groove, hosting the first shutout by a Montana defense in 10 years by trouncing Northern Colorado 35-0. Senior quarterback Cam Humphrey threw three touchdowns, including two to Sammy Akem, and also rushed in a touchdown to pace the UM offense. The Grizz defense gave up 245 total yards, including just 72 on the ground as Montana won for the third week in a row. Finally, the Grizz soccer team was also in Greeley, the Big Sky Conference Women's Soccer Tournament. Montana got a goal in the 87th minute Friday against Sac State to advance to the championship. And Sunday, Jaden Griggs scored in the 36th minute and the goal stood up as Montana beat Weber State to advance to the NCAA Tournament for the third time in four seasons under Chris Chinovitsky. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory.
up, Montana? Happy Tuesday. A little rainy and dreary here in Missoula. Actually, when I was uh, seeing, I get to see Justin twice today. When I was seeing him earlier, I wanted to check out his sweet new ride, but it was blizzarding and we had to go, so I only got to see a little bit of it. But either way, hopefully you're having a great Tuesday. Hopefully you're staying warm as uh, one of my... Uh, one of the guys I idolize the most, Mike Kramer, former longtime football coach, always says, there's no such thing as bad weather. There's only stupid people. <laughs> I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I just always find it so funny when people that live in Montana complain about the weather. It's like, what did you expect? That's exactly the whole essence of living in Montana. But I digress. Welcome back in. Nuana's now ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the first hour? Fun first hour. Heard from a couple... Very insightful head football coaches. Chris Ball from Northern Arizona University joined us to preview his team's matchup against Montana on Saturday in Flagstaff. We also heard from Grady Bennett, the head coach of the Glacier Wolf Pack. His team coming to Missoula on Friday evening to take on the defending champion, Sentinel Spartans. All that can be found on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, Blackfoot Communications, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Time now for a business angle with our good friend Justin Angle. He's in studio. And Justin, before we get into a couple of the topics, I want to ask you this, because I was thinking this uh, this week in prep. There's a ton of ties to Montana, the University of Montana, and especially when it comes to the athletic world, and Northern Arizona University. Hmm. Part of that's because of just the web of coaches because Jerome Sowers, who was the defensive coordinator here at Montana for uh, 11 years, then became the head coach at Northern Arizona for 22 years. So he hired a lot of guys with Montana ties. He's got Montana roots as well. But also, I just think there's some parallels between the towns. Both Missoula and Flagstaff are sort of free-spirited, funky, cool college towns. You know, kind of a, a distinct energy in them. But I also think that Northern Arizona, from what we do, a business angle, overlay between business and sports... Northern Arizona is the exact dichotomy of the University of Montana when it comes to the way that they produce revenue and why they can exist. Because Northern Arizona and Montana have been in the exact same league since 1978 when NAU joined the Big Sky Conference. There's been times when football, specifically, and men's basketball was very hot at Northern Arizona. There's also been times, like recently, the last 10 years, where it's almost irrelevant within the campus. But Northern Arizona has nearly three times as many students. Mm -hmm as Montana does, and uh, they also have a student athletic fee. And so they have beautiful facilities and fully funded college athletics while drawing 2,000 people when Montana gets 25,000 people. And I think that that's one of the parts of the model that people don't realize, and that's why there's been all this shifting in the way that conferences want to align and the way schools want to align within conferences. But uh, just your thoughts, because it it seems like NAU – it has a lot going for it, but they also have the distinct advantage of sports not necessarily having to matter for them to still be sustainable within the school. Yeah, a lot there. I was wondering where you were going with that setup as far as I thought you might land on the, the, the number of students that NAU has. And I think what we've what has been experienced across the Arizona public university system, University of Arizona, Arizona State, yep. and NAU. It's been tremendous growth in enrollment, right. especially with the online segment. Mm, NAU has grown their online programming tremendously. 
And those are programs that they can scale. They can create more agile programs. And I'm not saying that to be, um, you know, to, to espouse the values of, of online education. I just think it's a product that you can, can, um, can scale much quicker. And if they're able to generate significant revenue and extract a student, I don't know if the students in the online programs have to pay that, uh, that athletics fee or not, but if they do, that just pushes more money into that space. And, you know, and I don't know the specifics on this, but Arizona, uh, at the state level, I think provides more funding to those state sure. education institutions. Um, so yeah, so they have, a, they have a different balance sheet and they have some incentives to, uh, you know, some ways to har- harvest revenue that the University of Montana doesn't have. And as you see, like they've got great facilities, not nearly as much attendance, whereas we've got this wonderful stadium and we have to fill it. And that generates a ton of revenue, but we don't have a lot of diversity in those revenue streams. That's the issue too then, right, is the the simplicity, for lack of a better word, of making a budget when you know you have a guaranteed revenue stream like athletic fees is much different and much less risky than making a a budget when the revenue stream is not guaranteed. Well, and then think of it in terms of COVID, right? Like if you have 20,000 students a year in your online programs and you're able to extract a student fee based on that online enrollment, you know, something like COVID comes in and provides a tremendous shock to higher education, education in general. But, you know, at the University of Montana, we got this double whammy in that our online programming isn't quite as uh, large scale as at other players. We've got tremendous reliance on the the tickets sold for events. So if you've got to cancel events and you have decline in, in in-person enrollment and the inability to offer as much in-person programming, that sets you up for for a much harder time um, in the current in the current environment. Last question on this note before we dive into some of the stuff on the national level. Montana, last time they had a home game, they played Southern Utah. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful afternoon, uh, maybe maybe a surprisingly beautiful afternoon. Ironically, I think that that actually hurts attendance because I think that people are realizing, hey, I got to get some chores done. Uh, it's a little bit cold. Fine, I'll put my coat on and I'll go to the Grizz game. Oh, it's a beautiful day. Okay, I'm going to get everything I possibly need to get done before winter so my house is all in order. That that pulls up a variety of other factors. Southern Utah is not necessarily a hot ticket. The Grizz, the Grizz have not scored a touchdown in the first half of a conference home game yet this year, which does not add to the entertainment value regardless of the reasons why. But the official attendance that game, just over 20,000. So that's got to be... a I want to say worrisome because obviously 20,000 is better than zero like Montana had right. in 2020. But do you think that just from like a, a finance standpoint, that's a, a, a concerning thing? Like are, are the administrators like freaking out about not having a sellout in that game? It has to be sort of a, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I, again, it's better to have some than none, but disappointing at the very least. Right? Yeah. I mean, I have no insight into those conversations. Obviously if you're, if, if, you know, if that's your primary re- revenue generator and you're leaving money on the table by not filling the stadium, you got to be asking yourself, well, why is that? How, right. What could we be doing to to um, to get more people there? Uh, you know, I think the game day experience 
as far as you know, my experience of it at the home games, it has improved tremendously in terms of just the production quality hmm. uh, of the experience. Uh, and we've talked about it. There's problems with lines of concessions, and people get sick of that. Um, you know, and it's it's hard. I think, yeah, you're 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 situated in a town with a ton of alternative things to do outside, right? And in in the fall, you have this scarcity of those out of that sort of weather window, and when it's closing, I think, yeah, people feel the pressure to either get their leaves up or get on top of Mount Sentinel or get into the higher mountains or or whatever. Um, but that's what makes us a great place, and those sort of competing interests have existed since football's been around here. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a new problem. Um, but yeah, it's a concern. If, the, if the, competing, more seats. the competing interests remain the same. You're correct. Except for two things. One, the almost unprecedented and limitless access to every college football game on yeah. the earth. And also, though, there was a moment in time where you didn't want to miss it. Now you can talk yourself into missing it. And I don't know how you recapture that. I remember when I was a kid, before my parents got season tickets to the Grizz football team, when I would get invited by my friends' families, it was like the biggest deal in the world. How did you guys get Grizz tickets? How wealthy are those people? How much money could they possibly have? Really, the tickets were still only 35 or 40 bucks. Like, it's not crazy how much money these people had, but it was the access. It was the availability. Like, I remember the Bobcat Grizzly game that was in Missoula both of the years of my four years of college. You had to go sleep at the UC to even have a chance to get your Grizz card activated. That is not even close to the case now, but I don't know what's missing. I'm not trying to preach to anybody. I don't know what's missing because I think that it's not just Montana. You have a hard time finding anywhere where that – Like, this is the absolute place that I must be because if I am not here, I am going to miss this cultural event. I don't know if that exists as much anymore anywhere. Yeah, a couple things in there that I would uh, think about. One is, are we just in a weird time still with COVID or people not? I mean, it's an outdoor event. I mean, I feel like we're loosening up. There's more vaccines out there floating around, but... I think people are still a little hesitant, particularly if you're bringing kids to the game. True. I think that's a factor. I I do think like there's been this erosion of of interest in being tied to watching a particular thing at a particular time, to being on somebody else's schedule with our entertainment. We're never on somebody else's schedule with entertainment in any domain except for professional sports. And in many ways, we've talked about it on this segment. That's why sports continues to be scared, you know, continues to be fertile ground for paid advertising is because that's when, you know, eyeballs will be tuned in, but maybe that sort of, I've grown accustomed to being able to get whatever I want on, on Netflix or Amazon prime or whatever, when I want it. Right. And so I'm less willing or less sort right. of disposed right. to build my life around a particular schedule that somebody else made up. Right. That's one of my friends. Uh, this is the advent of technology, or like the infiltration of technology, right? Last week was the first weekend where both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies were on the road. Yeah. And the, the kickoffs were about two hours apart, but there was a moment in time where both games were going at the same time. He sent me a picture of how he was watching. Sitting at his house, you know, feet up, fresh beer in hand, <laughs> big screen. 
And because of these new streaming availabilities, you could put on ESPN Plus one, two, three, four games. So he's got the Cats. He's got the Grizz. He's got his SEC game over here. He's got his Pac-12 game over here. You have to make the viewing experience exceptional to be able to beat that. Yeah. Because people love chilling at home now, man. It used to be, okay, I can watch this game on the local network TV on my 12-inch box, and it's going to be whatever. Can't experience any of the motions or feels or anything like that. Now, well, man, I can watch this game on a 97-inch TV that's in 4K, and I can almost feel the players breathing. It's so realistic. So right, I don't know. I can buy six beers for the price of one. That, no question. No and question. All of that, yeah. No, no driving, no parking, no mm-hmm. cold weather, no kids crying, you know. Maybe I'm on a diet. Now I don't have to eat pizza. You know, I can I can have a salad. You know, sure. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's becoming more and more competitive. I think it's a, a huge. And, I'd, and again, I'm not going after Montana by any means because Montana actually has it better than almost everybody. The Bobcats earlier this week, by the way, they sold out the Idaho game. That marks the first time in the history of Montana State football they've sold out all six home games. Bobcats have been very good for a long, long time. That was very surprising to me that they've never sold out a six-slate home game. I bet you the Grizz sold out for 15 years in a row, Mm -hmm. uh, which shows you where they were at. And even, you know, having 21,000 with Southern Utah there, I just went and watched number four versus number five in the country in Cheney, Washington, this last weekend at Eastern Washington. If there was no Montana State fans at that game, there was 3,000 people at that game. The announced attendance was 6,900. I mean... There's going to be twice that many people at the Sentinel game on Friday night. You know what I mean? Like, you're talking about high school football in a rural town drawing as well as a perennial powerhouse. So Montana's problems, they pale in comparison to the problems of some other people. Yeah, I mean, there is that sort of, it. it yeah. You look at our current situation, you think, yeah, we got it pretty good. And, and mm. so it's, 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 you sort of feel like you're crying poor by complaining about these sure. problems of excess. But at the same time, it is your primary revenue generation machine. That's how you've built your operation. And if you're leaving money on the table, that's a concern. Text from a uh, listener. Ticket prices are up, but the quality has not increased. Uh, mm. That's a very interesting thing. It used to cost you less money to see a, a better team. Uh, that's a, Subjective opinion for sure, but but I can see the validity of the argument. That's a, the other point this uh, listener makes. So this is a very good one. Hotel prices are through the roof right yeah, now. That's true. And so many people come from out of town. That's actually, I think, the most surprising part of Montana State selling out every game is that you can't get a hotel room in Bozeman, Montana, for less than three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Like I had to, I needed one. One time when I went back there because my brother's where I have my place there, he he didn't have any availability. I'm like. Well, what, what am I going to do? It's like Motel 6 is 300 bucks. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, you're it's crazy. It's a lot of other people who are not here to watch football games. Yeah. They're here to launch into, you know, guided fly fishing trips and others. No question. more fancy class of tourists <laughs> coming through town lately. Uh, yeah, and then you see that. A lot of the pricing and the downtown businesses and all that. Yeah. All right, business angle with Justin Angle. That was quite the uh, tangent. I'm sorry to lead us down that way. I get quite tangential when I talk about these sort of things. Uh, let's talk about the... Non, non-politics side of this. The, and it's crazy that I have to even make that disclaimer. It makes my brain hurt. But Aaron Rodgers has stepped in a bloody hornet's nest. And uh, he seems to completely either be oblivious to or um, so arrogant he cares not to have any sort of remorse whatsoever. He 
to me, this is about the semantics and the, the the verbal narratives that are happening more than actually even the actions. His lack of ability to even have remorse for anything is quite astounding, actually. It, it's a psychological issue more than anything. But here nor there, Aaron Rodgers has taken a stand uh, for, every, for every reason. I don't really know. But how do you think this affects him from like a marketing standpoint? Because he is one of the premier spokesmen in pro sports. I mean, who has more commercials than Aaron Rodgers? Very few. You know, it's Chris Paul and Aaron Rodgers, like the two guys that are, and LeBron James. Those guys are everywhere. What do you think this does, though, to Aaron Rodgers from like a marketability standpoint? Well, we're seeing that it's already having negative effects on his because he lost a couple endorsers, yeah, right? So there's a local financial service, a uh, local health system in uh, the Green Bay area has has ceased their their um, their relationship with with Aaron Rodgers, and that kind of makes sense if they're in the healthcare space. But State Farm is uh, pulling back. I mean, that was one of his premier endorsing contracts, and so they've pulled back. It's not quite clear where that's going to land, but they've they've announced that they're going to pull back the the use of his name, image, and likeness. I think it's a botched move from a branding standpoint on many levels. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has made a choice to to to. See, you know, to, to, to not take the standard vaccines. He, he, he says he's pursued alternative pathways to immunization, and that's fine. I mean, the NFL has is not requiring the vaccine. They're having different policies for different players. The problem he runs into is when he is dishonest. And you can say, like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe what he said in the you know to the press would yeah. not be considered dishonest in a court of law, but, you know, it's pretty clear. It doesn't pass the smell test of honesty. Sure. He tried to be obtuse with his answer mm-hmm. about vaccination. And, you know, a guy like that in that with that sort of platform has to be more clear. And, you know, you, you, people who are disappointed and saying, like, he should be a spokesperson for vaccination or, he's, you know, he's got all this responsibility, you know, say what you want to about that. I think the responsibility to fans and people in the community is just be honest. Sure. Right? And within sure. this, I think there's, there's a real missed opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Like, he has a different view of how to take care of his body. You know, I, I am, I'm pro-vaccine, right? I think more people should get the vaccine. I think that's one of our, our pathways out of it. That's where I stand. But I'm not, like, trying to evangelize that. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers should be forced to either. But he could be more transparent. And the missed opportunity I was referring to earlier is, the one thing that gets lost is these are not either or scenarios, sure. right? Like people with a vaccine mm-hmm. are safer, but they're still getting COVID. People without the vaccine are more at risk, but there's other ways they can protect themselves. Sure. What nobody's talking about here is how about healthy lifestyle? Sure. Absolutely. Right? No Aaron question. Rogers, he's an athlete. He invests a ton of money and effort and time in his body. His body performs at the highest level. Sure. He takes great care of it. Why not speak out about that? Right. You know, because he risks alienating his core customer, right? The guy who's <sighs> you know, eating a bunch of bad food and drinking right. a bunch of beer, watching Aaron Rodgers play, paying his paycheck, doesn't no want to hear like, hey, you need no to doubt. eat better. You need to exercise. No doubt. You need to take care of yourself. So no, there, no I doubt. feel like there's a missed no public health opportunity there. Oh, I think that this entire thing has been a missed public health opportunity, but that's a complete tangent for another uh, time. Yeah. But if we actually did care about public health at large, aside from 
a virus than a vaccine, then uh, a vast majority of what exists in our disgusting and sloth-like uh, and, um, you know, uh, gluttonous society wouldn't. Uh, sure. But I'll, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> I also think, though, that this is the world that we've created now Yeah. where as much as Aaron Rodgers could lose people, advertisers, endorsers, a certain audience that was fans of his that maybe now no longer is, for right or wrong, he's also now empowered another side. We want, we sit here and talk out of one side of our mouths and we get so exhausted about our athletes being commoditized, speaking only for the brand. Like this thing that Peyton and Eli Manning are doing right now where they're doing Monday Night Football and it's just yeah. two brothers diagnosing it. It's so authentic because they're so authentic. Mm-hmm. LeBron James could never afford to do something like that. Because LeBron has this aura, this mystique. Michael Jordan's the same way. You can't have three hours of unfiltered Michael Jordan because it ruins the mystique of Michael Jordan. Sure. He can't maintain the persona that he's created for that long. That's why those guys can do it because their persona is that. They're just like, ah, shucks, just kind of, you know, every man's, you know, kind of backwood redneck guys that are just talking football. The, these guys, other guys can't do it. So I, I just think it's very interesting. But Aaron Rodgers... I think, is going to continue to solidify the portion of the audience that he cares about. I think that his career is going to last for decades once his professional football career is over. He's not going to have an all-encompassing, all-beloving audience like maybe an Al Michaels might someday, but he certainly is going to have an audience. There's no question. The part that is the most fascinating to me about Aaron Rodgers is that Aaron Rodgers has been a pretentious and oftentimes oftentimes exhaustively annoying version of himself. Aaron Rodgers has gotten away with every single thing he's ever gotten away with because he's so good. Yeah. That's it. If Aaron Rodgers was even one notch below where he is now, if Aaron Rodgers was Matt Ryan, there's no way he'd be getting away with all this stuff. If Aaron Rodgers was Matthew Stafford, no chance, but he's Aaron Rodgers. And so he gets all the pass in the world. And that'll be an interesting piece of the story. And I haven't, I haven't read the reporting inside and out. But did he kind of get preferential treatment on these protocols? Like, was he clearly participating in the unvaccinated player protocols, or was he sort of being given his own set of rules? Was that because he was dishonest or obtuse with his own organization, or did the organization kind of read, you know, read between the lines? That's where, you know. That's where I think some some more reporting could could reveal. Some that's exactly that's the last point worth making on this. He also has gotten away with all this stuff because he lives in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's true, smaller media market. The, the so much smaller, it's crazy because it's not only small, but the audience is so much more uh, beloving and not scrutinizing. If he's doing this exact same thing, if this exact same. First of all, the the comment that has gotten him in so much hot water. I've been immunized. Yeah. That comes with 15 follow-up questions if you play for the Washington football team. Yeah. The New York Times has a reporter that's there covering public health, not football. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're in New York City, there's multiple reporters that don't give a rat's, you know what I mean, about football. They're there to report about public health. Right, right. So I think that this wouldn't have gotten this far Yeah, and as there's well. also, you know, Green Bay is owned by the citizens of the town, that's right. the shareholders. That's right. Uh, and so there's no, you know, Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft or Dan Snyder. There's no person at the top to say, this is the way it is, buddy. Right. So the accountability is a little different. He's the he's the sort of entire, if, if, there's, if there's a Mark Zuckerberg, 
of Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is that character. He can do what he wants. It's so true. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Justin Angle joining us here in studio. It's a business angle, the overlay between business and sports. We do this every other Tuesday. Pleasure having Justin in studio lately. Very fun. Talking all things uh, with my good friend. Let's talk uh, briefly, because we only have a couple minutes, but and we can hash this out a little bit more uh, next time you come by. But James Madison, Sam Houston, a couple uh, football championship subdivision powers that have been in the same division as Montana and Montana State for quite some time. Teams that both the Montana schools have seen perennially in the FCS football playoffs. They're on their way out of the FCS and moving up. James Madison's moving uh, into, well, they're, they're either going to choose between the Sunbelt or Conference USA, and Sam Houston looks like they're going to Conference USA. They were initially going to go to the WAC. What does that do to this fledgling WAC that's trying to bring football back? I don't know. That'll have a domino-like effect as well. So I know Big Sky Conference schools were excited about having the WAC just because that would give them some schools to play in the non-conference mm-hmm. that are in the West. You know, games where you can you can buy a Division One game rather than having to go play Washington or Oregon or whatever. But I, I, I fully understand all the arguments for Montana and Montana State to move up. I also fully understand all the arguments of why you would not want to move up. I also think, though, that the worst spot you could be in is the school that has decided to not do either and just see what happens around you because then all of a sudden you might be just standing in the middle with the house burned down. Yeah. Yeah, you know... I don't necessarily know the upside and downside of this, but I do agree with you that if particularly for the Montana and Montana State, these perennial sort of top of the big sky conference teams, you know, if there is going to be an implosion of the big sky conference or an exodus of, of the higher quality teams, you want to be a first mover. Right. You want to be the first one off. Um, so, you know, and I'm not privy to any insights uh, uh, in that space, but I do think you're right. Like if, if there is going to be a shakeup, you want to be at the front end of it. You don't want to be responding. And I, I think that there's a ton of different ways to, to look at this, too. But I think that the number one thing that I always want to remind people is this. The sad truth is that when it comes to revenue generation at college athletics, winning and winning alone is not on the top of the list. And in fact, people will always argue, if Montana or Montana State move up to the Mountain West, they'd never be nationally elite again. That's true. If they move up to the Mountain West, people would stop going to games. Maybe. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But more than anything, though, San Jose State had more of their athletic department budget guaranteed when they went 0-11 during the 2018 football season than Montana has guaranteed despite a perennial run of playoff appearances because the guaranteed TV money, the guaranteed money from the conference is so much different. There's also the opportunity to get in the NCAA tournament without having to win your league championship, so you have payout money there. And then there's also... Here's the number one crux of the issue when it comes to the Montana schools and their futures. The vast majority of the people that are moving to Montana are moving here not from Montana, and they have very few Montana roots. The likelihood of those people diving all the way in and becoming Skyline Sports junkies and learning all about the history of Sacramento State and Northern Colorado is very, very negligible. It's very unlikely that's going to happen. You're walking down the street. you got. I mean, when I was walking into the Southern Utah game, I saw tickets for days. 
if Wyoming's in town, that's a different story. Yeah. Utah State's in town, it's a different story. Especially when it comes to hoops. Let's say they're in the Mountain West for hoops. Nobody cares that Northern Colorado is actually pretty good in hoops. They're going to go see number 20, San Diego State. They're going to go see number 21, Utah State. These are nationally ranked teams. That's a totally different ballgame. Yeah, and, and it does seem like outside of football, there are pathways into those bigger conferences that could provide great returns to other sports, you know, whether it's both men's and women's basketball, soccer, you know, being at right, women's soccer being at the top of the big sky, yep. you know, so many years, but then having a hard time when they try to go to the play against the bigger conference sure. teams. If they're playing in that bigger C, um, yeah, they're getting on television more, they're getting better deals. So, yeah, I could, I mean, I, I certainly see the upside. Um, the downside being, you know, is it is it a leap into a sea that the university cannot sustain? Right. Right. Do we not have the infrastructure? Do we not have the underlying funding? Do we not have a lot of the other systems in place to kind of um, provide a product and a service on par with those with those competitors? And then it falls into the state government and a lot exactly. of subsidization. And then do you take advantage of these people that are moving here from out of state? But then how do you directly do that without then hurting the taxpayer base that's been here for generations? It, this is a muddy issue for sure. Yeah, I mean, your buddy just texted in saying the prices of the tickets have gone up. That's right. The experience hasn't changed. If, if, <laughs> if your price of the tickets goes up even more and you're losing more games, I right. mean, you said wins and losses aren't the single driver. In no, there, right. There's other factors. But it certainly helps. But you got to fill that stadium and you got to you know produce the eyeballs on the television to get those contracts. Like Ultimately, you have to have a good product, and if you can't sustain that, you're not going to make it. It's been a business angle with Justin Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this every other Tuesday in studio here on Nuanas Now. Very insightful. We'll continue to talk about this because I think this is a interesting one. Maybe we'll bring in a third guest because I know a guy. You know a guy. That Jim O'Day, former Montana Athletic Director, mm-hmm. he has studied this extensively because he was actually in a position once upon a time when he was the AD at Montana to make a move up, and he used to be very against it. Now that times have changed so much, his tune has changed quite a bit as well. So we've talked about this quite extensively, but I think that that would be maybe a good conversation. So maybe we'll have Jim come by next time. But either way, fun seeing you twice in one day, man. Thanks for coming by. Bonus. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, the Sports Medicine Journal. What happens if you have a high ankle sprain and you get surgery and then you hurt your ankle again? What happens when you weigh 250 pounds and you break your foot like Derrick Henry did? Uh, it ain't great, but Michael Wright has all the solutions for how you fix it. Some insight. Whether you follow college football, fantasy football, or everything in between, the Sports Medicine Journal on the other side, Nuanas Now. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. 
Montana State solidified its place atop the Big Sky Conference. Montana is all of a sudden on a roll, and the Grizz soccer team is going dancing. Hello, I am Coulter Luanez. In the top FCS matchup of the weekend, the fourth-ranked Cats went to Cheney and pulled out a 23-20 victory over Eastern Washington that was more one-sided than the final margin indicated. MSU piled up 544 yards of total offense, including 291 yards on the ground, and had the ball for nearly 37 minutes in winning for the eighth straight time. Isaiah Fonse rushed for 217 yards, including a 43-yard touchdown rip, helped boost Montana State to its first win in Cheney since 2011. The Grizz went to Greeley, Colorado and found their groove, hosting the first shutout by a Montana defense in 10 years by trouncing Northern Colorado 35-0. Senior quarterback Cam Humphrey threw three touchdowns, including two to Sammy Akem, and also rushed in a touchdown to pace the UM offense. The Grizz defense gave up 245 total yards, including just 72 on the ground as Montana won for the third week in a row. Finally, the Grizz soccer team was also in Greeley, the Big Sky Conference women's soccer tournament. Montana got a goal in the 87th minute Friday against Sac State to advance to the championship. And Sunday, Jaden Griggs scored in the 36th minute and the goal stood up as Montana beat Weber State to advance to the NCAA tournament for the third time in four seasons under Chris Chudovitsky. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. One most interesting segments we do here on Nuanas now. It's the Sports Medicine Journal with Dr. Michael Wright from Missoula Bone and Joint. We're recording this here on a Wednesday morning because Doc's got a busy day, and uh, we have to tell you that now. I, I keep telling you that we have to tell you that, but that's because I have to tell you that. We're pre-recording it. FCC regulations here nor there. Uh, Doc, good to hear from you. How you been? Yeah, I've been great, Coulter. Let's let's talk a little bit about lower body stuff. First, before we get into foots in general, and by the way, those that are just now learning about the Sports Medicine Journal, we always talk about various injuries that are common in sports, specifically about the, the season that is in season, right now football season. So, uh, Doc, we're going to talk a little bit about foot injuries here in a minute, but I want to ask you a follow-up. We did a nice segment a few months ago about high ankle sprains and uh, – I know that there's several guys around the state of Montana that play college football. They're sort of struggling with this. But my question for you, though, is when you have a high ankle sprain and then you have a procedure to accelerate the recovery of a high ankle sprain and then you re-hurt it, what, what is the detriment there? What are the biggest side effects that you can experience if you're coming off of a surgery to repair that? Well, I mean, it, it can be a really tricky situation. You know, the way I like to think of it is if you re-injure a body part that's in the process of healing, in some ways you're you're restarting the clock, you know, in terms of the timeline that it takes to heal things. And so if you have a high ankle sprain that's just about healed, but you return to, to sport too quickly and, and re-tear it or re-injure it, it's really like you're restarting the clock. And so, you know, just like we've talked in the past, there's a spectrum, you know, you can have a small partial re-tear, you can have like a major re-tear of those uh, syndesmotic uh, ligaments, but it really can be kind of either a nagging, lingering thing, or it can, you know, really be catastrophic to an athlete and really shut him down again uh, for a period of time. So it's something that, that a lot of athletes try to get back to as quickly as possible, and, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. 
Can the reco- does it make it the recovery even more on the back end? I guess if you heard it the second time, is that then extend the recovery even longer than it would have been? It certainly can, you know, because when it's healing the first time, a lot of the healing process is really scar tissue that, that's healing. And so a second time, you're kind of adding insult to injury. You've already got a partially healed, scarred in uh, joint. So, yes, I mean, it certainly could could make it an even longer recovery in the long term. But not always. You know, I've seen I've seen a whole spectrum of these injuries, and uh, you just you never really know what you're going to get until you go through it and, and live it yourself. And so, yeah, it's really hard to make sweeping conclusions uh about the injury because you know every case is just is just different yes as it is with many different injuries well let's talk about feet injuries i've been fascinated by feet injuries for a long time because i'm a big nba fan and um we used to talk about like in you know 25 30 years ago acls that was the kiss of death when it came to sports injuries now not so much at all in fact you can recover uh, just about fine from an ACL, but it seems like guys with massive size that experience foot injuries, specifically foot breaks, that's a really tough one to come back from. And I know that not that many people on the earth are walking around at seven feet tall and 280 pounds like some of the, the big centers in the NBA that have had uh, injuries like this. But just broadly, I mean, is it pretty uh, correlated if, if you have a foot injury and you have a lot of mass that that's a very hard injury to come back from? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the human, the human skeleton can only take so much. So you look at these, you know, just enormous centers. And I mean, even Zion Williamson, you know, there's been talk in the off season about his size and, and, uh, you know, how that affects his, his skeleton and foot injuries are just, you know, very, very detrimental because you really can't play through them. I mean, it's very hard to play through them because you, walk and you jump you know it's different than a shoulder injury that a lot of guys can play through or even elbow and hand injuries Um, but foot injuries can be really tricky and the way they get really tricky is typically when you break it and then it doesn't heal appropriately and then you're looking at surgery and you can develop something called a non-union and that means a bone that did not heal in the time that you would have expected it to heal and they can just become these these nagging injuries that are really you know insurmountable for a a professional athlete Um, and so the, the ones we worry or we see kind of the most in athletes are fifth metatarsal fractures, which means you break the bone that's on the outside of the foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's other ligamentous injuries, such as a list frank injury, which is a, an injury to the midfoot. Uh, and then another condition called turf toe that you hear about, which is a plantar plate injury, which is a cartilage injury to the to the big toe. And, and so those are kind of the common ones we see in athletes. And, you know, certainly the, a lot of them can be managed conservatively, but, you know, there's a surgical solution. For, for all those problems if the severity uh, necessitates that. Sports Medicine Journal, Dr. Michael Wright joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television, talking all things foot injuries and what the recovery process is like. And, Doc, you mentioned turf toe. I think turf toe is a fascinating one because I think that there's been some guys that have had turf toe and the general spin from the coverage and the commentary around it is that, oh, this guy's soft. I actually know my brother had turf toe, and this is brutal, man. Like, this is like a really bad injury, and it takes a lot to play through, or even if you can at all, and uh, takes a lot to recover from, too. So just tell us a little bit about that element of, uh, of foot injuries. Yeah, turf turf toe can be really, uh, really frustrating uh, because of how slow it takes to heal. You know, this is something, you're absolutely right, that 
Uh, so a lot of guys can play through, you know, it'll be more of a nagging pain, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily affect uh, performance in a significant way. And that would be if you, you sprained the plantar plate or you have a more low-grade injury, which just continue to cause pain. If you have a complete rupture of the plantar plate, those are the ones that occasionally, you know, will require surgery, although most of the time it can be managed non-operatively. But the re- if you think about the really the biology and the, the physiology of this injury, it's very similar to things we, other injuries we've talked about in the past you know everything goes back to blood supply is the human body able to deliver the healing cells to the site of the injury and the only way the human body has to do that is with blood flow because that's where all the growth factors uh come from and so cartilage is a relatively avascular structure that's a medical word for not not enough blood flow going to that area and so the plantar plate of the foot has very little blood flow and so when it gets injured it can just take a very very long time to heal and when we address these types of ligamentous injuries surgically there's things that we do during surgery to try to enhance blood flow to the area for example when we fix a structure such as a rotator cuff we often abrade the bone or we use a burr tool to roughen up the bony surface which causes the bone to bleed a little bit and we think that's why that the repair will actually heal because the tendon we're reattaching has no blood supply at all and so it, it gets its nutrients from the repair site. And so that's just an example of, you know, surgically what we can do to try to accelerate recovery for something like turf toe or other ligamentous injuries. But uh, but it, it can be a frustrating one. Like everything, there's a spectrum. There's mild sprains that, that do eventually go away. Um, but it's something that guys are always trying to get back to too soon. And, and sometimes they just got to just be patient. And that's, you know, one of the hardest things to, to tell an athlete, particularly when they're playing at the, at a pretty high level. Dr. Michael Wright joining us here on Nuanas Now. It is the Sports Medicine Journal presented by Missoula Bone and Joint. And, Doc, let's talk about one of the uh, biggest injuries in the NFL this last uh, couple weeks. Derrick Henry is leading the league in rushing, and by all accounts, one of the biggest beasts the league has ever seen at running back. Talk about mass on a skeleton. I think that guy's got about as much for his height of anybody in the world. But... um, I guess we don't really know the details of the actual injury. My question for you is, though, how detrimental is just broadly a foot injury to somebody that does weigh, you know, 255 or 260 pounds and, and just lives off of being explosive on his feet? Yeah, there, you know, this is definitely, I mean, they're calling it season ending, saying he needs a surgery. So that, that really tells you the severity of the injury. You, you know, he probably had a pretty significant uh, ligamentous injury uh, in the foot. And if he's, you know, done for the season, then it's it's a big injury. I mean, this is this is very devastating. I mean, in some ways, like what you mentioned earlier is is very true, Coulter, about the ACL. Like a lot of guys can come back to, from that. We've done tons of research on it, but some of these foot injuries, they're, they're honestly almost worse than an ACL because it's somewhat of a more unpredictable outcome uh, when treated from a surgical standpoint. Not always. There's certainly examples of people that have had bad foot injuries that can come back to 100%, but, you know, I would honestly say it might even be a little more unpredictable in terms of long-term outcome uh, compared to ACL. But it's really hard to, to, to say much when you don't know the details of the injury. But ligamentous injuries in the, in the foot can, can really be uh, disastrous to a player's career. Is ligament worse than bone when it comes to foot just in general? 
Yeah, I mean, I think in general, probably yes. You know, bones are, they hurt like crazy when you break them, but they actually heal pretty well. Bones do have, you know, some blood supply, and as long as they have enough stability by way of surgical plates and screws or not, as long as they're stabilized, they actually heal pretty well. And once they heal, you know, they're as strong as they were before they broke it. But when you think about ligament injuries, you know, they typically stretch out when they tear. And so even when they heal, sometimes they heal in an elongated or an attenuated position. And so then it's still not a normal structure, even after it heals up. So I would say in general, yeah, bone bone injuries are typically better because they do heal as opposed to some ligament injuries that, that will never heal or at least never be normal uh, again. Dr. Michael Wright, Missoula Bone and Joy, you can find... This interview, if you missed it today on Nuanas Now, on our podcast, as well as at the Missoula Bone and Joy website as well. So, Doc, we appreciate it. Always very informative. Thanks so much for taking some time, and thanks for uh, educating us like you always do. You bet, Colter. Thanks for having me. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, fiber deployments, and community events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. Up against it, but thanks so much for listening. Taking you home with one of my favorite songs of all time, a little boss for you here on uh, Tuesday. Tomorrow, Sean Rainey, Alex Esserman, Mitch Stroman, and a whole bunch else. See you then, 4 p.m. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.